So open your Bibles wherever you'd like. I'm going to be in Jeremiah 29. Okay? And um, I want to tell you funny. This is called an hilarious pastor's visit. So a new pastor was visiting the homes of his parishioners. At one house, it seemed obvious that someone was at home, but no answer came to his repeated knocks at the door. Therefore, he took out a business card and wrote Revelation 3.20 on the back of the card and stuck it in the door. When the offering was received in the next worship service, he found that his card had been returned. Added to it was this cryptic message, Genesis 3.10. Reaching for his Bible to check out what this verse said, he couldn't stop laughing for several minutes. Revelation 3.20 begins, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Genesis 3.10 reads, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid, for I was naked. <laughs> that is funny. I don't care who you are. That's funny right there. <laughs> I, t- I started telling these funnies when I was pastoring. And um, uh, see Peter Wagner, I was in doing my master's degree and he told a funny so I shared it on a Sunday morning and and two men their wives had been praying for them they came to church that Sunday morning one of them got saved one of them came back to the Lord they went home and told their wives that guy's funny I'm coming back (laughs) so I said well man if that'll draw people in that's I'll, I'll keep and so people started sending me funnies and that's how I got I didn't plan to do that, but aren't you glad I did? (laughs) All right. Jeremiah 29, 11, a very familiar verse. And you you want to keep your finger there because we're going to come back. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil. And that word peace also means prosperity. Not of evil to give you a future and a hope. Everybody say, God's got a future and a hope for me. He's not done with you. Are you listening to me? God's got a plan for you. He's got a future for you. And it doesn't matter what you've experienced, your past, your bad decisions, what other people have done to you. It's not going to stop you from you fulfilling your future unless you allow it to. God's got a plan for you. He's got a future for you. And you're you're not too old. You're not too young. You're not too male. You're not too female. You're not too educated, uneducated. You're not too, you know, not having money or have money. None of that has anything to do with the future that God has for you unless you allow it to, unless you allow it to define you. Um, you, can, you can fulfill your future or you can look, live in the rearview mirror Singing with Paul McCartney yesterday. All my troubles seem so far away. Yeah. God's got a plan for you. And it's a good plan. And, and, and He's not done with you. Don't, don't give me this garbage 
about I'm too old. Are you hearing me? You're not too old. I've got a verse, Psalm 39.5, for everybody who thinks they're too old. It's in the Bible. Psalm 39. Anybody that thinks they're too old, just read this verse and tell me if you think you're still too old. Indeed, you've made my days as handbreadths, and my age is as nothing before you. My age is as nothing before you. My age is as nothing before you. Put that in your I'm too old age pipe and smoke it. You're not too old. God's got a plan for you yet. John the Apostle, at 90 years old, on the Isle of Patmos, in a place of limitation, a place of isolation, a place of old age. He'd walked with Jesus. He'd seen the miracles. He pastored one of the largest churches in the world. He could have started the t-shirt factory that said, been there, done that, heard that, know that. <laughs> he could have, you know, but he, he, but he didn't, he, it, would seem like, he, it would seem like 90 years old, there's nothing left to do, right? Except twiddle your thumbs and sing Kumbaya. And, and yet at 90 years old, in a place of limitation, a place of isolation, God came Jesus came to John and gave him a new assignment, the book of Revelation. And God's not done with you. He's got a plan for you. You're not too old. Okay, maybe there's limitations. Maybe there's more isolation. I don't know. But the bottom line is you need to kick the, those walls down and you need to recognize God said He's got a future for me. And if I'm still breathing... God's got purpose for me. Look at your neighbor and say, I know he's talking to you right now. <coughs> I, I don't want anything more or less for my life than what God is, has for me. But I want everything that God has for me. Everything. How many of you are with me? Okay, John 3.27 says, A man can receive nothing unless it's been given to him from heaven. So all I want is what heaven's assigned to me. But I want everything heaven has assigned to me. And by the way, whatever, God's, whatever dream God's put in your heart, whatever vision that you have, okay, maybe you weren't born with a silver spoon in your mouth. I sure wasn't. And, but I'm telling you, whatever dream God put in your heart, Hebrews, this isn't up on the screen, but they, they may be able to go there. But Hebrews 13, 20 and 21 says, God will equip you with everything good for doing His will. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Had a friend of mine went to New Orleans, went to the Mardi Gras a number of years ago. And this gypsy, she had this, she was out there and had a sign said, said uh, palm reading. And she said, would you like for me to read your palm? Would you like to know your future? And my friend said, I already know my future. Would you like to know yours? <laughs> and then he, got, then he got a really good idea. Uh, the next day, he went down the street about a block and, and set up a little card table and a, and a chair and put up a sign. It said, Psalm reading. 
And people, <laughs> people stopped in and got born again, man. Just gave them psalms. Hallelujah. Listen, God's got a plan for you. He's got a future for you. And, and we, we get stuck in, you know, things that disappointments and problems and delays and all that and what people do and all. Listen, guys, none of that can stop you unless you let it. Amen? So your future consists of thoughts you haven't thought yet, words you haven't spoken yet, actions you haven't taken yet, and circumstances you don't know yet. Thoughts you haven't thought yet, words you haven't spoken yet, actions you haven't taken yet, circumstances you don't know yet, and three out of four of those you can control. So how are your thoughts, your words, and your actions working towards your future? How many of you have ever watched the movie Groundhog Day? How many of you have seen it? How many of you haven't seen it? Oh, you need to go watch it. It's a classic. Anyway, Bill Murray is the, is the actor, that, he's a star, and, and he's an obnoxious, self-centered, you know, uh, demeaning, he would, you know, condescending to other people. He was the, he was the, t- the TV reporter that was going to go out to whatever the name of that place is in Pennsylvania, Punxsutawney or <laughs> some name. And when my daughter-in-law's here, she can tell me she's from Pennsylvania. Uh, anyways, we're, we're on Groundhog Day, where you, the, you know, if the groundhog sees a shadow, um, we're going to have a, I don't know, a longer or shorter winter, whatever it is. Anyway, so he's going through all that, and he, he's treating people ter- terribly, and so he, he goes to the hotel, wakes up the next morning to Sonny and Cher singing, I Got You, Babe but he's in the same day. He wakes up the next day, Sonny and Cher, singing, I got you, babe, and he's in the same day. And first of all, he responded in shock. Next, in self-indulgence. You know, I'm just, he ate everything in sight since he's going to wake up in the next day. Next, in frustration, and then depression, and then giving up on his life. And then he moved into self-improvement, learning Russian and ice sculpting. But he finally had some kind of an an epiphany, a revelation that caused him to realize what life was all about, and that's self-sacrifice. Since he knew what the next, every he's waking up in the same day, he knew what that day was going to bring forth. He started to help people who he saw were having problems and and things, and, and when he when, when he started living his life to serve other people, he moved into his next day. He moved into his future. And there's some of us that are stuck like Chuck in a groundhog day of our own making because somebody done you wrong, some disappointment of a dream or a delay and you're upset at God or you're upset at somebody else or maybe you're just upset at yourself and you're penalizing yourself or you're judging yourself 
and you're stuck in a groundhog day of your own making, and I've come here today to bust you out of that trap and get you focused on God's got a future for you. He's got a plan for you. And, and, and you need to get out of this rut in this, in this ditch of, you know, well, I guess I'm too old now. I guess, you know, that dream, it's not going to come to pass now. All, the, all, the, all this stuff. No, I'm telling you, uh, God's got a future for you. And, and what I, what I want to talk to you today about is how to move into your future. How to move into your future. So Matthew 12, 35 says, uh, A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things. What are you bringing forth? What are you bringing forth? Are you bringing forth the kind of things that will facilitate you moving into your future? Are you hearing me? Are you stuck in the past singing with Barbara Streisand the way we were? So how, how, to, how to bring forth your future in God, how to move into your future. How many of you are interested in that at all? Anybody? Okay, so four questions. Answering these four questions will help you come into your future. Number one, what are you seeking? What are you seeking? Jeremiah 29. Remember I told you to put your finger there? Let's go back to Jeremiah 29. You know, in verse 11, he tells you, I know the thoughts I have for you. They're good. They're, they're full of peace. They're, they're, there's no boogeyman around the corner. God's got a good for you. Amen? But, and, and to give you a future and a hope, but verse 12 and 13 tell you how to get into it. He said, then you will call upon me and go and pray to me. What a novel thought. We pray. And, 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 li and I'll, I will listen to you and you'll seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. What are, what are you seeking? So you can't, you can't get into the future God has for you seeking your own plan. You got to, I mean, I, I had, I was well on my way because when I, when I was growing up, we were very poor. I watched my mom uh, go to the grocery store and, and, ha and cry when she had to put things back because she didn't have enough money. I watched my mom go to the mailbox when the child support check wasn't there before they had laws that would enforce that, and I watched her cry. Uh, we, we ate goulash five nights a week. Anybody know what goulash is? It's just whatever you can put in the pot, basically. And, uh, and, then, and then later, <laughs> she thought I liked it. And uh, <laughs> just because that's all, they, all we had. But uh, then she came and fixed goulash for us, and it was like, <laughs> I'm by faith eating this stuff. <laughs> anyway, uh, and so I made, so I made a, a vow as a young person. I left the house when I was, man, as soon as I graduated high school, started my own, started my own business. It was very successful. I made a vow. I'm never going to live like this. How many of you know you don't, you don't walk in success making vows? But that's what I was doing. I was obsessed with success. 
and I started making a lot of money. Uh, my, my security was, uh, and I started making a lot of money. I, I ran sales crews and, and started making a lot of money. Had, had, then I built a wholesale florist business in Houston, Texas. And I, my, success, my security was counting $100 bills in a safe deposit box every Monday morning and adding to my stack, stacks. And, and that was my security. But, I, but, but you know, so I, my goal was I'm going to be a millionaire by the time I'm 30. And I was well on my way there. But how, how many of you know that that's, you know, having, having your own plan to try to protect yourself, uh, you know, how many of you understand that might not be God's plan? And you can't come into the future God has for you until you wipe the slate clean and you become a living sacrifice. Andrew Womack says it, talks about it real well. You just raise up the white flag and say, you know, Lord, I'm a living sacrifice and whatever your will is for me, that's what I'm going to do. And you seek the Lord. But you can't, seek the, you can't find out God's plan for you with things in the way like, God, I'll do anything but, or I'll, I'll never go in the ministry. I'll never get married again. I'll never love anybody again. I will never trust anybody again. Well, God's got never, never angels. I don't know if you know about that. <laughs> but, but the bottom line is you haven't begun to seek the Lord with buts and nevers in your life. you got to get rid of all the buts. That's the problem, is your butt. <laughs> get it out of the way. All the buts, all the nevers. And, 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 and you know, I'll, look, because part of my deal was, when I was a kid, I watched people get saved in the Baptist church, and then they all responded to a call to go to Africa or China or India or some godforsaken place. I'm thinking in my mind that a pretty girl won't follow me. And I wanted a pretty girl. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> Praise God, Herbert. That Ebony, that Ebony and Janice are blind. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> but I wanted, you know, and it was like, I, no, I'm not. I didn't get saved for seven years because I was afraid that accepting the Lord, God would call me. To, and, and then later, I oversaw a ministry in Africa. <laughs> Those never ever angels come back. But it was because I wanted to. But see, I, I didn't, you know, I had, I had my life all planned and I had all these boxes that God couldn't get into. And guys, I'm just telling you, you can't find God's, you cannot find God's future for your life with all the buts and nevers in the way. It's not going to happen. What is your thing in your mind I'll never do? I'll do anything but. What is that? There are, let me tell you, I know by the Spirit in here, in this place, in this service, 
there are pastors in this service. One of the greatest needs in the body of Christ today is we need new, we need new grace and faith churches. It's the most powerful um, evangelistic tool and discipleship tool on the face of the earth. And, and it is God's idea. It's a church. And, but, but I'm, well, I'm not going to pastor. No, no, I'll, I'll do anything but that. Well, you're not going to find out what God's will is until you remove that. And so if, if somebody would just repent, I could move on to the next point. I'm not, I'm not playing games here, guys. There's somebody in this place, I, and I, God's called the pastor. Do you know there are women pastors? Last Sunday morning, I was in a church, a women, woman pastor. It was awesome. Great, healthy church. But the bottom line is, guys, you can't enter into the future God has for you until you remove all the buts and nevers. And the rest of this message won't, don't, won't even mean, mean anything to you. You can't move into the rest of it until you start here. What are you seeking? If you're seeking your own plan, your own idea, and then trying to justify it, we'll put a scripture on top of it, you're not going to get into you're not going to get into the future God has for you. You can create your own. And like Paul Milligan, um, an elder, he was an elder in my church, and uh, used to be Andrew's CEO. He's on Andrew's board. The way he says it, he said, you, you can do, create your own future and let the rough end drag. Are you hearing me? And I know what I know that I know that I know that somebody in here has got a, their butt in the way and you're not going to move into your future until you get it out of the way everybody say God, God. Uh, you're, you're, Jesus is my Lord, Jesus is my Lord. Not, my not my understanding I surrender to you, surrender to you. I'll, go I'll go anywhere I'll do anything no buts, no nevers. Now guys, until you do that, until you really do that from your heart, not just because I led you in that statement, you can't discover what God's will is for your life. But I'm going to tell you, I, look, I, I was very successful in business and, then, and I'm counting money one day. I'm counting money one day. I mean, I'm making thousands of dollars a week. I made more money Valentine's, I made as much money on Valentine's week because I could get all these flowers uh, and I could sell every flower, cut flower I could buy. And uh, I made more money that week than I made the rest of the year. And it was, it was awesome. And I mean, we gave a lot. And that's what I, I saw myself as a businessman. But then my wife comes to me one day and says, while I'm shaving, she said, God spoke to me today. I'm a pastor's wife. <laughs> I, was, I had a street ministry. We were, 
We were out on the down, streets of downtown Houston casting out devils, ministering to people, all kinds of things. She comes and tells me, and I couldn't get the lazy saints on the pew to come out with me. And so, I mean, I mean, we got we start this ministry. I tried to hand a track to this guy, and he was getting up on a bus. And I said, "Man, Lord, I wish I could have given that guy a track." And he said, and, and preached the gospel to him. He said, "That bus can." And I looked inside the bus, and they had all these banners in there. And I went down, and of course, this is a lot of years ago. I went down to the Houston Metro Bus Company, and and I asked them, and I for six months we got. For free, we got, in 360 Houston buses, we got these banners. I said, which way are you headed? And then we had a We Care hotline. And man, I mean, man, we saw all kinds of ministry. And then my wife comes and tells me, I'm an evangelist, man. I'm thinking, and my wife comes and tells me she's a pastor's wife. I said, well, that means one of three things. means I'm going to die, you're going to marry a pastor. We're going to get divorced, you're going to marry a pastor. Um, or God's going to change my heart. Well, you know, he couldn't change my heart till I got the butts and the nevers out of the way. And so he did change my heart, thank God. And um, anyway, and guys, I had, I had zero plan to spend this much time on this point. So what do you think that means? Somebody can't get into their future. You're stuck in a groundhog day of your own making. And you seek the Lord yourself and say, God, are there any buts or nevers in my heart? And I'm going to let you uh, just eliminate those from my heart. Amen? Amen? Number two. Number two, what are you seeing? What are you seeking and what are you seeing? Look at Genesis, Genesis 15. And this is a story of Abraham. And the first, verse 1, what are the first three words of verse 1? After these things. And we're going to come back to that. What are, what are those things? After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision saying, Don't be afraid, Abram. I'm your shield. You're exceedingly great reward. But Abram said, Lord God, but what will you give me, seeing I go childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus? And look, go down to verse 4. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This one shall not be your heir, but one which will come from your own body will be your heir. So what, what was going on? Whatever those things were, and we're going to talk about it in just a second, Caused Abram to say, you know, instead of instead of a, you know, the heir being coming from me, I'm, you know, I'm I'm okay with Eliezer being the heir, and God said, no, it's not going to happen that way, and then he said, then he brought him outside. Everybody say outside, and he said, now look toward heaven, count the stars if you're able to number them, and he said to them, so shall your descendants be. And he believed in the Lord and he counted it to him for righteousness. So, um, what, were the, what were the things that caused Abraham to doubt whether God would bring to pass what he promised him in Genesis 12? What was it that, you know, which was about 
somewhere between 10 and 15 years previous. Okay? So it had been some time since God first told Abraham to get out from your family, get out of this country and go to a land that I'll show you and so on. Well, first of all, it was incomplete obedience because he took some of his folks with him. And then he went to Haran, which was about two-thirds of the way. And then he stopped there long enough to get to gather people and, and servants and stuff and business until his father-in-law died. And then he went into the promised land. Now this is the father of our faith. Went into the promised land. God met with him there. He builds an altar there. And in Genesis 13, it said he went on still. So first of all, incomplete obedience. And then secondly, he went beyond the boundaries of what God told him to do because of a famine in the land. And then the father of our faith laid his wife's neck on the line to save his own. Right? Then, you know, he comes back into the land and he has a relationship uh, conflict with Lot. Then he has warfare getting Lot's family back. Then he's, then he's tithing, so he's leaving money on the table, or he's giving, and, and then, he's, then he's leaving money on the table from the kings and the bribes and all that. And then, you know, then just simply the delay of time that it's been since God promised it. It's, he, he, and I don't think Abraham was as much, he wasn't as disappointed in God, he was disappointed in himself. And after these things... God said, come on out here, boy. Get out from the press of all the stuff, the mistakes you've made, the disappointment in yourself, what other people have done, the relationship conflict. Okay? All the other all, and then just the delay of promise. Come on. Come on, get, get up. Come on out here. Look up. Get your eyes off of this stuff. Get your eyes back on me because the deal is still on. The deal is still on. I will yet bring it to pass even after all your mess ups, other, people, other people's mess ups, the delay of promise, brush the dust off of what God has told you, River Rock Church, and, and recognize God will yet bring it to pass. The deal is still on. But the issue is, what are you seeing? What are you seeing? Are you looking at the mistakes of other? Are you looking at the relationship conflict? Are you looking at the, you know, the mistakes you've made? Are you looking at, you know, what other people have done? Are you looking at the money you lost? Are you looking at the time of the of the disappointment of of the time that's happened? Are you looking at God and His promise? Because what are you seeing? Are you seeing what you see in the natural? Or are you seeing what God, what God is saying about your situation? If you're going to get into your future, you've got to stop letting your past define you and not let yourself get stuck like Chuck in a groundhog day of your own making. And I came here today to give you a swift kick in the rear and get you back on course to realize that 
Your mess-ups don't define you. Other people's, you know, getting in the way doesn't def- is not going to define you or stop you. What other people have done, your mistakes, even the delay of promise, even the lost money, lo- lost opportunities. God said, come on out from all that stuff. Get your eyes back on me. Get your eyes back on the promise because the deal is still on. I will yet bring it to pass through you. Look at your neighbor on the other side and say, I know he's talking to you right now. (laughs) What has God put in your heart? What dream or vision has he spoken to you? What What do you know when you've sought him and you got your butt never out of the way, okay, and God, what do you have for me? And you got this dream, and then you go through, you know, disappointment, you go through delay, you go through relationship conflict, you go through mistakes on your own, but God said, God said that none of that's going to stop you unless you let it. You get your eyes on me, you get your eyes back on the promise, and I will yet bring it to pass. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You guys are in faith on that, I can tell. That's awesome. Number three, and I have the airport in sight. We're going to land pretty soon here. What are you saying? Everybody say, what are you seeking? What are you seeing? And what are you saying about what you're seeing? Are you hearing me? Proverbs 18.21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Now, it doesn't work unless you really believe what you say. If you say it long enough, though, you'll start believing it. And what are you saying? Are you speaking negative? Are you saying what you see in the natural? Are you saying what you're seeing as you're looking to God and and, and you're seeking Him and you're seeing what God has, what are you saying? Because your words that you believe in your heart, that's what's going to come, that's what's going to, uh, out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth speaks, and that's what you're going to bring to pass, my brother and sister. What are you saying? And it's not, you know, people get all messed up with a confession message, and I had a doctor who was, uh, who was an elder in my church, and people would go to him whenever, whenever they were sick, and then and he, would, and he would examine them, and he'd say, what's wrong? And they say, nothing, nothing. Why are you here? I'm not going to make a negative confession. <laughs> and I'm, look, I don't go to the doctor first, okay? I'm going to God. But uh, if I do go to the doctor, uh, you know, I'm going to tell him what's going on, but, everybody say but. but. So I'm going to but the facts with the truth. Okay, it's not a negative confession to say, you know, really not feeling real well, but, everybody say but, but. by His stripes I'm healed. Amen. See, the problem is if I know, by, I know the Bible says by His stripes I'm healed, but I'm not feeling well. Whatever's on the other end of your but is what you really believe. Are you hearing me? And so it's okay to say, you know, this is a fact, this is a fact, this is a fact. But, this is what I see, this is what I really believe, this is what I'm, this is my confession. I'm not, you know, faith isn't denying 
uh, I don't have pain, I don't have pain, I don't have pain. I'm not sick, I'm not sick. That's not faith, guys. That's just somebody's, you know, nonsense. You just, I, so I, I, don't, I, don't have to, I don't have to deny that something exists. I'm just denying it, having final authority in my life. Okay? And so uh, I, my wife and I pastored for 27 years. And then we've been in ministry 40 years, so, you know, this is not our first rodeo. We've, and we've helped people, lot, lots of people get healed by helping them to just say, look, okay, you can talk about, you can, you can uh, say that something's bothering you, but that's not where we're ending. This is, this is my confession, and I'm not talking about that I'm, that I'm sick very often, Okay. But if I, if I go to a doctor, I'm going to tell him what's, what's going on and then tell him what I believe. Amen? So, uh, Mark eleven twenty three, 23, the verse that Kenneth Hagin wrote. Well, he spoke it a lot. <laughs> For assuredly, I say to you, what, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and doesn't doubt in his heart, but believes those things that he says, he will, uh, he will have whatever he says. Four times there. He's talking about speaking, 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 whatever, whatever you say. So, guys, what are you saying about, about what you're seeing? Death and life are in the power of the tongue. What are you saying about what you see? Are you, are you, are you agreeing with, and, and the, word, the word confession is the word homologia. It means, homo means the same as, and logia means to speak. So confession really means to speak the same thing that God is saying. And so what are you saying about what God is saying about your situation? So I'm going to give you an example here and then give you some scriptures that we spoke uh, over this situation. So, so I have four children, um, three sons, one daughter. And uh, my oldest son... Uh, who lives in Colorado Springs here. He, if, doc, if Dr. Dobson had met him, had met Brian, he would have written three more chapters in his book, A Strong-Willed Child. I mean, you draw, if you drew a line and told, told him not to do it, he's going to cross the line. He's going to test every boundary, everything. Anyway, so he was, he was a prodigal for about eight years. And, and we were pastoring. And we were, we were, and we were good parents. We homeschooled our children for a while. And, and it was like we did everything we knew to do. And, and, he, and still, you know, he's, he's out there partying. He's, I can't, I'm, I'm not even going to go into all the details of all the stuff, but he's out there. And so the enemy comes to me, uh, and he said, what kind, of, what kind of pastor are you? What kind of parent are you? You know, your son's doing this and this and this and this. Well, the Bible says agree with your adversary quickly while he's in the way. And so I said, yeah, that's a fact. That's a fact. That's a fact. That's a fact. See, that's not a negative confession. That's the fact. And, and so, and by the way, Mr. Devil, uh, you, you tempted him to do this and this and this and this. But while you're here, 
Now, let me help you here, guys. This is real spiritual warfare, what I'm about to tell you. It's not just, not just praying in warring tongues. This is real spiritual warfare. This is a fact, this is a fact, this is a fact, that's a fact. Yeah, that's a fact. But while you're here, let me tell you the way it really is. Let me tell you the way it really is about my son. Because I've been in prayer and I've seen him this way. So I'm saying what I'm seeing. I'm not agreeing that this is the way he's going to be. Yeah, it's a fact. But while you're here, devil, let me tell you the way it really is. Isaiah 54, 13. My children are taught of the Lord and great is their peace. Psalm 127, 5. My children are going to speak with their enemies in the gate. That means you're going to rue the day you ever came against my son. He's going to be taking authority over you, dude. And Proverbs 6, 22. The word of God is going to be leading my son while he's roaming. <laughs> when he's roaming. Just read it, guys. While he's roaming. And it's keeping him while he's sleeping. It's speaking to him while he's awake. And then 1 Corinthians 3, verse 5, says God gives ministers to every man whereby they might believe. Now, put that in your, in your attack. Anyway, and then I'm talk, I find out, I'm just talking to myself. He's gone. And, and guys, that's what we believed. What are you saying about what you see? We didn't see my son living as a prodigal. We saw him serving God. We saw him with a family. We saw him as a man of God. And I started discipling a group of men in my church, and all I told them to do was go after, you, you go after and disciple somebody God's leading you to. This man in my church, his name was Donald, he went after Brian. Fifteen years older than Brian. He took him fishing. He took him hunting. He fed him. And, he, and Brian turned around. In three months' time, he turned around. And he came back into church. He met his wife. He's, he's a godly husband. He's a godly father. He's a, he's a leader in the kingdom today. And I'm not telling you it's because of, of what we did only, but I'm telling you guys, uh, we, that thing turned around because what we saw in the Spirit we didn't agree with what we saw in the natural. We saw, and then we spoke what we saw, and then God brought it about, and my son is, a, is an awesome leader in the kingdom today. Can you praise God with me? Amen. And so he will do that for you. And it doesn't matter, guys, it does, it, you, whether this is something about your children, about your marriage, about about your finances, about your health. What are you saying about what you see? Amen? Amen. And, and, and if, a, if something's a fact, it's not a negative confession to say that's a fact, but you trump the, you trump the facts with the truth. You exalt the truth above the facts. If you'll exalt the truth above the facts, the, fact, the truth will win out. Amen? Amen? Praise God. Now we have landed. We haven't got up to the terminal yet. <laughs> what are you seeking? What are you seeing? I'm talking about how to move into your future. Is anybody interested in this? Yes. What are you seeking? 
What are you seeing? What are you saying? Number four, where are you sowing? What are you sowing and where are you sowing? Luke 6, 38 said, Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. <clears throat> you know, so God uh, and, and, and running over be put into your bosom. For with what measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Galatians 6. Galatians 6. Verse 7. It says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows... That will he also reap. You know, we read that many times in a negative context. But in, surely it's true negative, but it's, it's more true positive. What are you sowing positive? Verse, verse 8, for he who sows to the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But if you sow unto the Spirit, you'll reap life everlasting. Amen? You'll reap life, 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 life. How many of you know life overcomes death? And let us not grow weary while doing good for in due season, we'll reap if we don't lose heart. Don't give up, guys. Don't give up on your harvest. Therefore, as we have opportunity to let us good, do good to all, especially those of the household of faith. So, bottom line is, what are you sow, where are you sowing? And if you have a prodigal, in fact, I'm going to pray for people that have prodigals. Okay, but if you have a prodigal, you know what you need to be doing? First of all, stop preaching at them. Stop it. Mama, listen to me. Stop preaching to them. If they ask you a question, you can answer with a word. Stop preaching at them. Okay? But then, and, and then love them. Just love them. Don't try to, don't, don't be doing anything out of fear. Just do it out of love. And then, and then look out. If, if you want to see, if you want to reap with your prodigal, for them to not be a prodigal, then find some other prodigal to sow into. Find some other young person, somebody else's prodigal, that you'll minister to. Make yourself available for somebody else. Where are you sowing? See, my pastor, Bob Nichols, says it like this. Sow where you want to go. What you make happen for someone else, God will make happen for you. So someone here is believing God for a house. Who is that? Okay, you're believing God for a house. We're all the house people. Okay, you believe in God for a house. Okay, I want to encourage you, and I'm going to pray for you here in a minute, but I want to encourage you. Have you ever thought about sowing into somebody else's house payment? And, and, and even more than that, you know, this church is growing, River Rock Church, and we're going to need our own home. Why don't you start sowing toward our, toward our home here? Above your tithe. Okay? Just start sowing. Whatever God's leading you. I'm not, I'm not telling, but I'm just saying, if you want a house, start sowing toward somebody else's house or for the home, the future home. How many of you know God's got a future for River Rock Church? And He's got a future home for us where we could all come together in one service. That'd be awesome. I think that maybe we'll do that, but I don't know. Whatever Pastor Rick says, we'll, we'll follow that. Say, I, I, say I'm, a good, I'm a good sheep. Everybody go, bah. Say, I'm not a goat. Because you know what goats do, don't you? 
I love my pastor, but. I love my husband, but. Anyway, I, I, look, if you're, where, where do you want to go? Sow toward that. You sow, uh, in, uh, sow into ministries. If you feel called to minister, sow into ministries that resonate with you. Okay, sow where you want to go. How do you get into your future? Sow into it. Give into it. And I don't care if it's five bucks a month, whatever God, it's, it's, it's all relative, you know, but something that God's, I mean, you got to start somewhere. Do something. The, the, the devil can't stop me from giving, man. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be given. Whenever our church went through a, a financial downturn, it happened three or four times in our 24 years that we pastored, my secretary knew, get, get out the checkbook. We're going to sow to other churches. If we needed, if we we're building a building, we're going to sow into another church's building fund or, or some other missionary's building fund or something. We're going to, we're going to look guys, we're, if you start seeing your future and you start speaking that, amen, and you, you, you seek the Lord and you see the future and you start speaking that, then start sowing toward it. And you watch how God will bring you into your future. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Let's lift our hands and thank the Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the future you have for us. Thank you for all the good things that you've prepared. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, uh, listen, if you've got a prodigal, that you're praying for. It could be a son or daughter or just some family member that's really on your heart. If you've got a prodigal, I want you to stand up. I want to agree with you. Okay, I gave you those verses. I encourage you to write them down. Isaiah 54, 13. Psalm 127, 5. Um, Proverbs 6, 22. You know, that Proverbs 6, 22... Where it says, it says when, he, when they're awake, the Word's going to speak to them. My son said, uh, and, then, and, and then 1 Corinthians 3, 5, uh, you couple that with Matthew 9, 37 and 38. Pray that the Lord will send laborers into the harvest. And my son said, Dad, I couldn't even enjoy sin. <laughs> he said, I was in a bar one time. And this, and this girl started witnessing to me in a bar. And he said, whenever I try to go sin, Dad, I'd hear your voice. <laughs> Hallelujah. But the Word is working. No matter what we see in the natural, the Word is working. No matter what we see in our physical bodies, the Word is working. No matter what we see in our finances, the Word is working, guys. We just believe that. And look, if it's not real to you yet, say, God, make, make your word real to me. Just make it real. And he will. So for every, everyone's got prodigals, I'm going to agree with you right now. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for every person here, Lord, that you're sending laborers to minister to them, that will speak the truth and love to them. We call them out of darkness. We call them into light. Just say this with me. Father, I thank you 
You love my prodigal. I call them out of darkness. Call them into the light. I declare, great is their peace. They're taught of the Lord. That they're going to take authority over the enemy. When they are roaming, your word is leading them. When they're sleeping, your word is keeping them. When they're awake, your word is speaking to them. They can't get away from it. And I believe, Lord, your influence in their life is greater than the enemy's. One moment in the presence of God can eradicate decades of the enemy's work in their life. In Jesus' name. Now, Father, we praise you. We thank you that you're reaching them. And we make ourselves available to minister to other prodigals. In Jesus' name. Amen. Give the Lord praise. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Now, where's all my house people? Y'all can sit down. Where's all my house people? You believing for a house? Believing for a house. Well, stand up if you're believing for a house. God, the Bible says God gives us the desires of our heart. Do you know when my wife and I moved here, we, we looked at 300 homes online, most, most of them online. Most of them online. But we looked at probably 50. I finally said, could we just live in a tent, please? But, but she had a desire for a, godly, for a goodly home. And, and did you know on her birthday in 2011, we found the home that we're living in today? And you know, that, that house was, a, uh, we bought that house 175000 less than the guy paid for it brand new. And it's worth double now, probably more than that now. And, uh, but God, the bottom line is, I don't care what, it doesn't matter what the market is, guys. God has favor for you. He's got a goodly house for you. If He put that desire in your heart, stop agreeing with what you see in the natural and just say, well, you know what? If anybody's going to get a good, 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 good deal on a house, it's going to be me. Father, I agree in Jesus' name with every person that's standing. You put these desires in their heart. And Father, you're providing them a good home. Favor, Father, a good deal. And Father, uh, favor with the financing, all the things that are needed to get into their home. Father, we are, we are in agreement, and you're going to bring it in, and you're going to bring it to pass. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. amen. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Listen, um, guys, whatever, you can be seated. What, whatever God's put in your heart, one more invitation. You've had a dream, and it's, man, you've gone through some stuff. You've gone through some delay, a lot of disappointment, people standing in the way. Somebody's dream is just to get married. Somebody's dream is just to get married. And, and it's like nothing's gone right. Well, God... The, the, God's telling me to tell you and he sent me here to tell you 
Others of you, it's a ministry. Some of you, it's a business. But the deal's still on. He's going to bring that to pass. So if that's you, the dream or vision that God's put in your heart, and it's been a while, it hasn't come to pass, uh, for, I, know, I know for some of you it's just finding the right mate. Other, because you have to have the right mate to get fulfilled, your ministry fulfilled, and or your business fulfilled. Others of you, it's a business, it's a ministry. Um, others of you, it's, it's just a, it's a job. I don't know. Whatever your dream and vision is, and you know if, I, if I'm talking to you, I want to agree with you. Stand up. If that's you. Put your hand on your heart and say, Father, what you've spoken to me, you will yet bring to pass. Help me to lift up my eyes off of what I've seen in the natural, off of what circumstances have gone wrong, mistakes I've made, uh, what uh, mistakes other people have made. And the delay of, of the promise. And I agree with your word today. You have a future for me. And that dream will yet be fulfilled. The deal's still on. I look to you, Lord. You will bring it to pass. And I praise you right now. I praise you right now. I praise you right now. I praise you, Father. You're going to make a way where there seems to be no way. You're going to make a way where there seems to be no way. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. Amen. Give the Lord a shout. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So I receive uh, John 15, 8, which says, By Jesus my Father glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciple. So I just feel, Father, won't you encourage each of us here that he wants to be glorified and that you will bear fruit. God's taking all the obstacles away and so we'll glorify him. So that's God's will for us to be glorified and we are his disciples. Amen.